think we all know that retaining customers is cheaper than acquiring customers. We've identified who we want in there. We know who we want in there in previous episodes. Now, how do we keep them coming back in? Uh, is it with email blasts? Is it with marketing? Kim is our expert for tonight, and she's bringing a lot of ideas that I think you should apply to your business, and I think I should apply to my business. Uh, before we get started, a big shout out to Helmbot. Helmbot just came up with a little UI update. Eh, maybe this is a month or two ago, but it might still be new to you. So be sure that you go in, log in, and update your settings so that you have like your visual bar above the booking options and, and gift card purchasing page so that uh, you have your branding up there and it makes it look like it's an extension of your business and make sure it just has all of your your branding in there. There are a bunch of different things and little knobs and dials you can turn to make it more like your float center, including the color, all that good stuff. So Helmbot.com is where you want to go. If for some reason you aren't already using Helmbot, jiggity check them out. Again, it's Helmbot.com. Also, don't forget to check out Isopod if you're expanding your float center, if you're starting a new float center. And if you are starting a new float center, I'm glad you're listening to our demographic episodes and looking into this because these are germane to you. Anyway, i-sopod.com is where you want to go to learn about isopods. I've said it many times before, and I'll say it again. These things are built like a tank. They are durable. They don't mess up a whole lot. You know, they, they're, they're tanks. I, probably not how they want me to describe them. The flip side of that is they're aesthetically pleasing. Built like tanks on the inside, beautiful tanks on the outside, spacious, easy door to open and close, looks clean, looks nice, smooth curves, love the isopod. Again, i-sopod.com. And uh, yeah, oh, don't forget to buy your float conference tickets. This is probably the last episode before you could book a flight. I hope I get to see you there. Floatconference.com is where you want to go to book your tickets. And uh, if not... In person, they have a digital side as well. So check that out and hopefully you can still be part of it. We'll see you there. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Flow, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan and I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. And... You know, it's a large number here. I'm, I was actually kind of surprised to look it up. I'm, I'm glad this is our question at the top of the show. 39% of Float customers in June were new customers, which um, I can only assume has something to do with COVID, um, <laughs> not coming to a close, but, you know, uh, reopening of businesses and people coming out more. Maybe gift certificates being used. I'm not 100% sure, but that's different than our previous um, number. Interesting. This is Kim from Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana. Um, we typically see about 30-ish percent of new clients uh, on an ongoing basis, obviously higher um, after holiday season like January, February, but 30% seems to be our average for new folks. And this is Drew from New Hampshire Float, and I'm in line with Kim also. Um, we're about 30% new customers, and I would say... That would be my average throughout the year. And yeah, of course, coming in after the holidays, you usually get a, a bunch of new people, right? Um, but yeah, about 30%. I mean, 
I'm no expert. Kim's Kim's obviously our expert here. But 30% seems like the right number. That seems like a good number to have. I mean, I guess it'd be great to have 100% of, of people. You wouldn't need to do much of paying for client acquisition. But 30, 30% seems like you're doing well. Is that accurate, Kim? Yeah, 30% sounds really, really good. And I'll say 100% does not. Oh, um, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Drew had that problem. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent is never really the answer because from the business perspective, like from our heart centered serving your community and doing awesome things that most of us in the float world do, like it is a really great answer. But um, from the business perspective, that means that you are leaving money on the table. That means that you have the potential to either expand your business. Um, that could be offering additional services or that could be raising your prices. It could be, um, you know, lots of different things, but a hundred percent is really never your goal. Um, that also means that people who are you know in pain that day can't get in to see you. And so you're right. going to end up losing customers eventually. Um, and we actually went through that recently. Thankfully, it wasn't a, a big dip, but we did start to get some of that feedback that people were frustrated that they couldn't get in. And so we're in that right now, getting ready to raise our prices for the first time ever. Ooh. But yeah. Ooh. Exciting but, and nerve wracking. <laughs> Yes, but I would say you know th about a third or so of your um, clients being first timers means that two thirds are repeat guests, and that is a pretty amazing thing because ultimately we do all want repeat guests. We don't want people to see floating as a novelty right, and this right. thing that you come and do once. So having a, a higher retention rate is really awesome. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about kind of continuing our marketing series and looking at. Um, the, the two big buckets for marketing, um, and how you're spending those dollars and those efforts, are we looking just for new clients and spending all of our effort there? Or what are we doing for client retention? And there are a lot of different things that you can do for those. And to some degree, it's different. At least the messaging is different. And just, it could be that the actual method that you're using to advertise could be different for your new folks versus retaining customers too. So what are some of the things that we can do for, and I guess I'll use myself as an example. I keep thinking in my head that I really want to do something for my members in particular. Sure. Um, and I know that's an easy thing, a swag bag, it's just a matter of doing it, right? Like I can put some stuff together and do that. But what about the people that are kind of the tweeners, the ones that aren't the one offers, but aren't the members? I have, you know, a bunch of people that are like that, that kind of fall into that category where they come around every so often and, um, you know, they never really commit to the membership. I kind of like it because they pay full price most of the time. And that's kind of the, you know, if you, you're looking at numbers, you know, if you're having 30% that are paying full price and maybe the other 70% are not in a way. And that's where I used to struggle back in the day about the memberships, <laughs> right? Because right. in, in a way that implies that you have members that are taking up the 70% or, um, yeah. you know, it, you know, you can't, it counts for the like one-offs who maybe floated three, six months ago, but um, you do have a lot of membership that is, doing multiple floats and so you kind of lose money for me it's uh twenty dollars i'm i'm out for every member that floats every time a member floats and i do love members i absolutely love my members but are you leaving money on the table is it is it better to be at 50 50 is it better to be at 60 40 um you know but 
I guess those are a couple questions too. One, yeah. what do you do about those tweeners that come once in a while? And I like them because they pay a little bit more money. So what do you do about that? The fact that you maybe want a little bit more money out of people. Yeah. And the, the big questions that, that we ask in the marketing world is like, what is the lifetime value of the client? And some of your clients will have a lifetime value of one float at, we'll just say $70. Some of your clients are going to have a lifetime value of three floats, 200 or so dollars if you discount, you know, or do an intro pack or a three pack or something like that. And then your members are going to have an even higher lifetime value. That's where you want to start looking at what is the average lifespan of your members. And if your average lifespan of your membership is really only three floats, then you need to can your membership. Or you need to structure the membership in a way that is increasing the minimum duration so that you can increase that guaranteed lifetime value. So it's not necessarily like that there's a right answer, but there are lots of questions that you want to ask either way. You know, if you have someone who says, you know what, I really, I only need to float. and, And we have some clients who are like this. They only need to float during a certain time. Accountants, tax season. Perfect example. Is it better... For you to have that accountant as a member who is paying a discounted amount every single month, or would it be better for your business to have them pay a lump sum at a slightly higher rate um, just to come in and do, say, a 10-pack or something during tax season? And again, that, that number is going to really vary per center. How many people do you have that are first-timers or couple of timers versus how many people do you have that are that are members? If you get to the point where all of a sudden you have 90% membership, then I would start looking at, wow, we really, and that, and that 90% membership pretty much fills up your schedule. That's when you want to look at increasing your membership pricing um, and then making more floats available for the new folks to come in, increasing your marketing efforts for new people to kind of help you to offset that potential loss that you may have from memberships, but you might be doing just fine with that number too. So so it's really looking, you got to really dig into your numbers. And yeah, you really it, have to you, understand your numbers. You brought up a great one. I'm going to, I don't know how I, I'm definitely going to look into this, the average lifetime of your membership, because here in the Northeast, winter time, definitely I've, I'll be coming up on my fourth winter now. And I have people that, you know, kind of go away for the summertime and then come back in the wintertime. And so, you know, I see. I see them, they feel like regulars, but they take the summer off, they go do their thing in the summertime. Um, So it's interesting to kind of see, I wonder what people do. I don't know the answer Mm -hmm. to that. And it'd be a great number to know. And it's also a risk because if they don't purchase that pack before they go away, are you sure they're going to come back when they're back in town? Right. Because that could be a little bit a little bit of a gamble. If they're members, they're keeping that membership going so that they're stocked up when you get there. And so that's also another variable that could really change how you need to make that decision. You know, a lot of people are going to be pretty risk averse and say, oh, I'll just buy it when I get back. Um, but then you might incentivize them by saying, well, if you purchase it now, here's what we could do. Or that might be a case where the membership really makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah, like those answers. Straight. Yeah, that's great. Black and white. <laughs> yeah, and and just as a side note, the people that often float or come back to float are generally our type of people, right? They we are into floating, they're into floating. We have something in common, right? And um, I definitely feel like the one-offs are like, ah, all right, you're 
you know, you you smoke some weed a little bit ago and you think you're going to go into outer space. And when you came out, you didn't. You were like, oh, that's not what I heard from Joe Rogan. Like, All right. Right. But yes. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but go ahead. What I what I find a lot with float centers is that we we tend to think about marketing as new client client access. Oh, I'm tongue tied tonight. New client acquisition that um, whether you're running paid ads or not, most of your focus is probably on getting people in the door saying like my appointments, you know, my schedule isn't busy enough. What can I do to increase the number of appointments that I have? What can I do to get more people in here? And really a better question would be, what can I do to get more people back in here? If that's the case, obviously a brand new center, if you've just recently opened, you're going to be focusing all of your efforts on new client, new client acquisition. And I would say, honestly, until you're steady state, it probably the first year and a half to two years to really build a solid client base. And by that point, you're starting to get those regulars, you know who they are. You've built a pretty solid membership and you're not just focusing on paid ads. If you are um, using paid ads, be really intentional about the language that you're using and about um, what your your kind of call to action is. If it's try something new, you don't want to post that ad to the people that have already been into your center. You instead want to focus on coming back, on making self-care a preventative practice instead of a reactive practice. You want to remind them of how great they felt after their last float. And so your messaging, even if it's a paid ad, the, the method is the same, but the message is really, really different. Um, it could be, you know, looking at um, word of mouth is a very powerful way to acquire new clients, but it really takes time. If you think about it honestly, how many clients do you see every day who are coming in saying, my friend such and such told me about it? You probably have quite a few, but is it everybody? Um, and that's where looking at the word of mouth piece is also like your loyal clients becoming friends with other people at the center or they're bringing their friends in who also come in and they make a, a friend date to come in and float together. And so part of your messaging for those folks would be remind your friends it's time for a float. And you're not just mm -hmm. focusing that word of mouth on new people, but that word of mouth on them holding each other accountable as well. I would also like to add that on the technical side, uh, a campaign that I did over the holiday that was a very successful campaign was a text campaign. And I pulled a report out of Helm that, had people who had been there, um, had been to the shop one or two times before. And I focused just on a text campaign um, that was with Matt Phillips, who was a previous guest on an old episode. Um, and it was very successful, but they were people who had been there before. And I reconnected with them and I had major success with the amount of people that purchased from that text campaign. We did, we did the same and also had a lot of success from that. Just, yeah. just yeah. to so give Matthew you another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What you're doing there is you're segmenting and you know, that's mm. another really big piece because you, you can target a new audience, but then once they come in the door, an important piece is segmenting. And there are lots of ways to segment that, but a simple one is, for your members, what are you going to put in your newsletter to encourage them to schedule their next float, to come back in again, and to not let those floats go to waste? 
versus someone who hasn't been in yet and you're trying to get them to come in the door and, and encouraging them to just try something just one time, you know, your message is going to be a little bit different in how you're doing that. And if you send the same bulk message to everybody, it can come across kind of spammy. Like everybody's getting the same message saying, try floating. And they've been in to see you like 25 times. And you just sent them a message saying, you know, here's a first float special. It's not relevant. You literally just wasted their time. And so that's a big disconnect from, you know, that your client. What are, what are some of the things that you guys have done like marketing wise for client retention? It's a hard question. That is such a, uh, to increase retention. I mean, what Drew mentioned is like one minor thing. I think, sorry for this being too cheesy. It's a plug for mindful. That's two L's dot solutions. There's no dot com. (laughs) It's mindful dot solutions is I feel like the social media that you put out there has that in mind where, um, it's about booking that next massage, that next float, uh, in a fun way, not in a naggy way. And, um, which also drives engagement. People comment on it, but also education things. Um, last episode, we were talking to Lori about the, the people who come in for back pain. will start to learn about the other things. One of those, if, you know, if they're your member, they're going to follow you. They may follow you on social media. And then they're learning about those other things through the posts that you're putting out there as well. Does that, does that satisfy? Did I pass? Do I get an A? Yes. I'm not an you A get student. An a. You're an A student on that one. Yeah. Social media isn't just about sales. Sometimes it is education, but a, a huge component of social media is just reminding people that you exist. Having something in their feed, and that's one of the reasons that I love putting logos or using your brand colors or something mm. that becomes very easily identifiable, even if they don't stop and read what you're saying and they don't stop and look at every little detail of it, they just saw teal and blue with the Sukino logo and they think, oh, I need to go in. Sure. Like, okay. That's just such a very quick visual that sometimes social media isn't even about like your engagement numbers and getting people to click and to read and go do stuff. Sometimes it is really just that reminder and that's a huge piece for retention. Drew, do you have any, any ideas? Um, as I was sitting here thinking, as far as I really believe that a part of retention is how you interact with the customer in the actual shop. And as I've had a full-time employee and I'm not there as much, I've heard that. And so I'm trying to make efforts to go back to see people. And, um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, how is your, how is your space? How are you interacting with the customer? Um, those, you know, the people that aren't members that come into my shop still like, I feel like they light up when they come in and it's like, Hey, what's up? Haven't seen you in a while. And I, I try to keep a little note on, what happened last time we talked so I could say, oh, how was that vacation you went on? Right, Helm? Another shout out to Helm. You can make little (laughs) notes in there. Um, But I think that's part of the retention is is, um, providing a safe, comfortable space that people feel like, yeah, maybe, like I understand floating once a month isn't for everybody, both due to time, to um, money. It's not the easiest thing in the world. But... If I had, I've often thought this, if I had a whole lot of people that float two or three times a year and pay full price and not as many people who paid less but floated all the time, 
I think I'd just be just as happy, right? If like 20,000 people knew about my place and they all took turns floating every year, like a couple times a year, I'd be okay with that. But that's not necessarily how it works at this point, right? So, um, you know, even, even just being in the back of someone's head and I actually have found myself thanking people who I haven't seen, especially after the pandemic, I have people coming in last visit 800 days ago, 900 days ago. And I say, Hey, thanks for thinking of floating. I know it's been a stressful time. There's a lot going on. I'm glad you thought of us. And yeah. And hopefully that, you know, just is another little thing to make them more comfortable so that they don't wait as long next time to come back and float. And I think that will be the case with a lot of the people. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. You know. Your customer service is a huge component of your marketing. We've kind of talked about it in some past episodes that that's part of that experience that you're offering. That's part of your brand. So, you know, it's part of your, your reputation. Your, your, a lot of times we kind of get confused, and we'll talk about this on another episode between brand identity and reputation. But um, who, how people feel about your business that is so crucial. That's a very powerful piece of your marketing plan. You can't control what they're saying about you, but you control why they're saying it about you. And just having those one-on-one conversations is so huge and asking people, you know, on their way out the door, even just to, Hey, do you want to go ahead and schedule your next float before you leave? Like, that's just such an easy way. You're doing them a service by booking it for them and you're going ahead and locking them in to come back again. It's a really, really easy little trick to bring it back in. It's not even a trick. It's just a, a you know, a, a method. Oh. All these easy tips and tricks to get easy retaining tips. customers. Yeah. That's what we're about. Sweet, easy so tricks. Many. <laughs> so many. Um, well, I'm trying to I'm, think if there's I, any I am joking. other ones. <laughs> it's not just yeah. little, little tricks. Um, can you, can you go through a couple other I know. I feel like I kind of covered it. I really mastered client you retention, did. but I feel like you <laughs> might have a, a few more examples. <laughs> yeah, what Drew said earlier is a huge one about taking notes for people. Um, <sighs> and yes. so this comes up from like my past life in property management. Like the business or the company that I worked for was property management. We had to take notes on everything, mm-hmm. everything, and a part of it was you know liability, but a big piece of it too, especially if you have employees, is if you're not there to continue that conversation, mm-hmm. having notes in your system that you can just quickly look at, people feel like they you know them. And of course, if it's somebody that you've never met before, it's a little bit disingenuous. You know, hey, how is Fluffy? I saw that Fluffy died two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to go there. Um, but if it's somebody that you've seen before or you know something about, you have a conversation, if somebody tells you they're getting ready to go out of town on vacation or they're about to move or they're starting a new job, like log a quick note and then that way you have something to talk about. Like, hey, how'd it go with a big move? And you can easily generate a conversation. And those, again, are going to impact the way that people are thinking about you, the way they feel about you. They feel seen. It creates a big time push in their loyalty and then they become what are called promoters. You know, you've got people who come to see you who are out there telling everybody they know about floating. Mm-hmm. And those are your those are your promoters. If you think about it in terms of surveys, they give you fives. Um, you've got people who are neutral in the threes and fours. If they say, like, everything was fine or it was good, those are not people who are out there promoting 
your floats. They may have had a good time. They may like it. They may come back, but they're not shouting your praises. But then you've also got the, the detractors, the people who are rating you a one or a two on a survey. And those are the people out there telling the world how terrible you are. And so looking at like, if you're talking to somebody, what do you think they are? Like, are, is this person out there promoting you? Would they give you a five and kind of understanding your relationship with them in those terms too. Kim, a question. If you were to leave little um, cards in rooms for people that don't necessarily have, um, you know, they're not on the membership. Maybe they only have one more float or no Mm -hmm. floats left. Maybe you could leave a little discount or, um, you know, a little package with the, you know, multiple package or something. But if you kind of um, individualized, I like the idea of having little cards for mm-hmm. the different type of customers that are coming in and say, oh, if you buy one more today, yeah. you can. Um, we started with something similar to that. Uh, we had done some door hangers. And if it was someone's first float, it you know was a soft sell to our intro package. If you enjoyed this, buy your second float before you leave. We'll give you the third one for free. Um, and then we had some, if it was members, hey, don't forget to schedule your next float before you leave. Um, and you know, so we had similar sorts of things. What we found like logistically was a little more challenging um, of having to know every single client, you know, is this a repeat visit, a membership or whatever. Um, We stopped doing it, but instead we have emails that do that. And we also created, I wasn't thinking about this before, but we created what we call the continuous uh, continuous float pass. If you are not a member, but you book your next session with us, you have to book it and use it within three months, then you get a discount. It's not Mm. discounted to the membership rate, Mm -hmm. but you save a few bucks. And we have a few folks who are diehards. And the way that like we, we kind of mentioned that is that you unlock this discount and you lose it when you break your streak. Sure. And so if you don't come back within three months, you have to pay full price again. And then on that visit, as you're leaving, then you can get that continuous pass discount again. So I'm sorry, they, do they need a schedule before they leave or it just for needs the to continu- be? The sh- yeah. For the continuous pass, we make them schedule before they leave. Sure, okay. That way they know it has to be within three months of today's right. date. And if they cancel. And in order, we don't make that discount available online sure. and we require prepayment for everything. So we have that, mm-hmm. we're the only ones who can sell that particular pass Got to them. Got it. Cool. So yeah. I really like that. I've always wanted to do yeah. something similar to that. And I think you just have a very simple way of. Like, uh, I think a lot of LMTs will have the book same day, 10% off or, you know, book the day that you come in. It doesn't matter how far out it is. Just book. That's what inspired it. Yep. I I noticed my massage therapist was always doing that. And I was like, oh, that's a, you know, and kind of incentivizing it to do it rather than, oh, I'll just look later. So, Um, yeah. I I think of you as being, um, speaking of segmentation with uh, demographics, segmented uh, email blasts. I know you're an email champion. When it comes to um, retaining, like, let's say memberships and keeping goodwill with your members, um, you know, one thing after, again, after our, our last guest is thinking about putting a survey out specifically to members, the people that show up regularly, which I think in and itself would probably feel good for a member to receive. Like, oh, they actually want to know about what I'm doing. And it, and it seems like they have some energy, you know, maybe things could be improved. I do want to talk. Um a, do you agree with that? And B, what other kind of communications via email can I send out? Is that even a good idea? Should I just stick with social media? Yeah. So 
I actually don't do a lot with emails. I have segmented lists mm-hmm. um, and I will use those periodically to promote, say, like an open house we have, or um, if we are doing a very rare, big special or sale on something, um, I will use those. But we don't do a lot of email marketing at all. And obviously, most of mine is social media. We have a Facebook group that is um, kind of serving that purpose for the newsletter, but it's in a much more personal way. Um, It's you know, I jump in and share my stories after I get out of a float, how great I felt, or I'll post a picture, mm. you know, of what colors I had in the room that day. And I talk about why, or sometimes I'll go live and ramble after a float and just like people get to see that like post float glow. Cool. Um, we ask for a lot of feedback um, and our feedback isn't always specific to the center. It's what do you want? Like when we first started building the center, we said, we're building your float center. We're building your float center. And we've continued that with many of the decisions that we've made, everything from like, what's a a retail product you'd like us to carry? Um, This week, we're doing an open house because the yoga studio above us is having a big community party and it's going to be pretty loud. So (laughs) we had to close and we're like, well, what can we do? Let's have an open house that day. And, you know, for the open house, we're inviting people in for um, ice cream floats. So we ask everybody in our Facebook group, what flavor do you want for your ice cream floats? Nice. And people feel like, you know, there's a picture. They, they kind of feel like they're really connecting with us a lot more than email. Um, mm-hmm. I often think about diving into email more, but I can tell you that my inbox personally is overloaded. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have 700 unread emails and thousands of emails sitting there, and I don't want another email. And so I'm one of the rare marketing people you're going to hear say, like, email is not everything. Cool. All right. I love hearing that. I love it. Yeah. As long as you have some other methods that you're communicating with people and finding good results with that, I will also say social media is not everything. So if you don't have a client database, you need one. That's one of the great things about the float world. Generally speaking, we collect email addresses from all of our customers and, you know, that's kind of a necessity for our business. So we have that advantage, but there are a lot of businesses out there that don't have any way to communicate with their, you know, their customers outside of social media. And you just never know what can go wrong. There are stories out there that I hear every day of people getting locked out of their Facebook pages and they can't get back in. And if Every if all of your eggs are in that Facebook basket or the Instagram basket or whatever, then you're putting yourself at risk. So having some other ways to communicate is cool. just huge. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, what other questions did you ask there? I felt well, like there were like three. Every time you're talking, I'm 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 going deep in the recesses of my mind <laughs> thinking about my business. And when, just when you were talking, I was thinking about um, email blasts and how we have so many people. It's I I, I want to say thirty thousand, but I think it's fifty thousand people on our email blast. But First of all, how many people give a fake email address? Like when they say um, it's like Hotmail, Yahoo, I'm like, eh, that's probably not the one you're using day to day. And there, there's some that's others where I'm like, whew, boy, <laughs> that's that's old school. Um, so how how do sorry, this is a very little niche issue that I, I have particularly, but how do I decide when to cut somebody out of my email blast so that I'm just not sending an email to spam for 10 years um, or yeah. to somebody who doesn't want to unsubscribe, but maybe has blocked or for, for whatever reason is never going to open one of my emails. How do I make that decision? And yeah, there's a couple of things like um, if you can tell 
depending on what email service you're using, mm-hmm. if you can tell that they haven't opened any of the emails that you've sent in the past, if you've sent multiple in a year or mm-hmm. if you don't send a lot in a longer period of time, mm-hmm. they haven't opened any, they're, they're not interested. Yeah. Unsubscribe them. Um, there are also amazing tools out there that will help you to kind of cut through your list as well. And they will help to unsubscribe. Another option is just plain and simple email people once a year. Hey, do you still want to be on our email list? If not, click here, respond, stop, or, you know, tell them whatever you want them to do. But, um, and I think that's a a really powerful practice because if you're sending a blast to especially that big of an audience, you're already going through the email filtration systems as spam. Right. Like it's going to be hard to break (laughs) through that and to get into someone's actual inbox. So the smaller your, your email list is, Mm. the more, you know, pruned it is, the more powerful it's going to be for you. Um, so I think it's a really great practice to ask people, even on the bottom of every email, don't want to know about our marketing efforts, click here, you know, and give them that out. I, I used to have that at the bottom of every single one of our email blasts. And I was really surprised we didn't have a lot of unsubscribes, which I would love to say it means, oh, everybody loves us. I think it just means people aren't opening it. And and I can see a huge percentage of people are not opening our emails. Unlike when we first opened and there was so much goodwill, this new business, this excitement, yeah. our retention or our open rates were through the roof. Um, Some people even take a, take a list and will say, you know, I've got say 5,000 people in this list and only 2,000 have opened any email in the past year. Yeah. And they cut the other 3,000. They'll copy wow. it and remove anybody who hasn't Ooh, opened that's their scary. emails. So, yeah. But Dylan, I think that's a sign of the times because I'm with Kim. I get overwhelmed. With, and yeah. I swear Same, during absolutely. the pandemic, stuff that I had unsubscribed from started sending me stuff again. Sure. And now I do, I try to have my junk email if someone asks for my email and I know they're going to end up sending me stuff. I have a different email for that yep. and it's really annoying and I don't unsubscribe from all of them. And sometimes I do and I feel like they just keep sending me stuff. So yeah. I don't totally unsubscribe. Possible. Yeah. And I just, and that's I ignore it. That's what's super complicated about email these days is because there are so many different lists. If you think about the segmentation model, oh, right. which is really powerful, what that really means in technical terms is that you are on a list. Let's just use, say that we have segmented our audience into pain relief, stress relief, and athletic recovery. If you have marked on your profile or however you're segmenting things that you're interested in all three of those, you are in three lists. If you hit unsubscribe, you only hit it for that one list, but you may not know which list that was. So you're going to continue to get two more um, email you know, segments. It could also be from different tools. If you import your information into MailChimp, someone might subscribe direct, unsubscribe directly from something that's coming from say Helm, but they are still getting your MailChimp emails or vice versa. We've had some issues. Um, And if your systems, yeah, if your systems don't talk to each other, you're never really going to know about those. So as much as possible, having as few um, mm. email tools as possible really helps you to kind of keep a, a cleaner list. Okay. Doesn't give you much power though. So. Um, I know we're kind of tight on time tonight. I want to, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not. I may, who, maybe we shouldn't go out on this one. And Drew is of course more than welcome to ask you some more questions. <laughs> He's tapping out. <laughs> He's learned everything he could tonight. Um, is it worth advertising to current customers or is are ads only for uh, acquiring customers? 
I think it's a really great practice to advertise to your, your current clients. Really? What Drew was asking before about those kind of middle people, that's a really good segment to target. They haven't committed fully into a membership yet, but they've come to see you a few times. Run an ad promoting your membership benefits to those middle people. And you can do huh. all kinds of really powerful stuff. If you have an email list that you can um, export out of your system, your booking system, yeah. you know that you know these are the people, you can technically upload those email addresses directly into Facebook for your ads. Your, your, um, your costs are going to be a little bit higher because you're really specific on who sure. your audience is, okay. but Facebook knows their email address and we'll put that right in front of them. Oh, so damn. you are, it's one of the most powerful ways to target people. Um, but that's a case where you might want to, you know, target those middle people. And then even for your members, if you're doing something special for them, if you're having a membership appreciation party, or if you just gave them an extra float just for the heck of it, you can run an ad and let them know about what's coming up or what you just did for them. And you can say, Hey, we're so thankful that you're a member. Here's what we just did. And, and do, does that not really turn people off? Because I do find that when ads are targeted so specifically to me, I get the willies, even though I know it exists. And even <laughs> if it's a small business, it yeah. kind of gives me the willies. Do you, have you ever had a feedback like that from anybody? Yeah. Um, I, I don't run ads for other people, but I've had sure. some yeah, of those sure. sort of experiences, you know, where it's like, whoa, like they get it. But I've also received some thanking me for being a loyal customer, okay. you know, and, yeah, yeah. you know, to a, a yoga place that I've gone to and, you know, thanking me for, for continuing to stick with them and how grateful they are and can't wait to see us again. And so if you have the right messaging, right. it can be really great. But if it's, hey, member, we want to sell you more stuff. Yeah then that comes across a little bit, you know, yeah. more disingenuous, especially in a sponsored or paid ad. Like that, that feels really different <laughs> to receive. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Man, that inspires me. I, I forget that Facebook has that option. Um, it's so damn robust. And yes. um, I, I, I um, sometimes want to reduce my reach so much that it, it doesn't work. But I assume there isn't much of a minimum when it comes to dropping email addresses in because you already have yeah. their information. So why would Facebook care? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Is there anything else you yeah. want to impart to our listeners, Kim, before we wrap up? No, I think really just remembering that like it's not all marketing isn't just to get new people in the door. Marketing is also to keep people coming back in and it's everything. It's it's your social media presence, it's your how you make them feel when they come to visit. It's all of that. It's always a good episode What I've just, I can't wait to start applying things or looking into, like, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow and start, <clears throat> excuse me, after I edit the show, I cannot wait to <laughs> work on some float shop stuff that we've talked about tonight, um, particularly the, the Facebook ads. But um, that's actually one reason I love editing this show is I get to listen to it twice <laughs> and then um, <laughs> really take your your information and, and, and inspiration and apply it. So thank you, Kim. For your My expertise pleasure. tonight. Um, Drew, thank you for your questions and expertise tonight as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and I believe I forgot to mention it last uh, episode, but I want to, of course, thank our sponsors, Helmba. I want to thank Isopod. And I forgot to mention Mindful Solutions. It is mindful with two L's dot solutions if you want to go to Kim's website. Kim can help you with your social media. She can help you... Kim, Kim's a marketing expert. She knows what she's talking about. She can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any other marketing expert out there and start braining, <laughs> uh, geeking out. Um, 
So get in contact with her if you want to uh, improve your, gosh, if you don't want to wear every hat in your business. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons you should reach out, reach out to Kim. Uh, for us, the cost effectiveness showed itself very quickly, which um, was great to explain to my wife. Uh, in, in, <laughs> you know, we, we always have been so minimal in our marketing spending and it's gone up quite a bit, you know, mid COVID and in it's, it's working for us. So it's uh, nice to see that paying off. <sighs> yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Drew. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, I forgot to mention you, Gloria. Gloria will be with us next week, I believe. Um, actually, um, speaking of next week, uh, we are going to be doing Flip Conference guests on. And uh, I think we're breaking up the show a little bit and having one-on-one uh, kind of short interviews, which I'm excited about. And we'll get those out there to everybody. And yeah, let's see here. Thanks to everybody who's supporting see us. See you guys at FloatCon. Please come. We want to see you. See you at FloatCon. And if, if it's too late now for you to schedule your ticket, and I think this is probably like the last episode to air where you like, need to make your call, book your flight. But um, they have the digital option as well. You you can still, you know, be part of it online. So um, if you're not going to be there in person and get those hugs and everything, <clears throat> Drew backed out, <clears throat> then, uh, <laughs> then we'll get to see you <laughs> online. And uh, yes, patreon.com forward slash out of the float if you're interested in float media for your center to reach out to your clients with Beautiful flow imagery, video, uh, science-related blog posts for content for your website. And what am I forgetting here? I feel like this is one other thing. I don't know. If you're interested in old pictures, go to uh, artofthefloat.pixieset.com. And I think that's about it. Uh, let's see. As always, um, get, get your... Book your next float before you walk out. What's that? Book your next float before you leave. As always, book your next float before you leave, which is a great reminder. As always, subscribe to the show or follow, I think is what it is now. As always, follow the show. Ring that bell. Make sure you get an alert. Oh, this isn't YouTube. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. Love you guys. And we will, one of us will see you next week. We're going we're gonna to do the float conference thing. Remember stepping on your joke there.